Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is a weekly conversation with someone that I find truly inspiring, and it'll hopefully hopefully leave you truly inspired as well. My goal on this show is talk is to talk with guests that have a great story to tell, or have achieved something remarkable in their lives and through their story. Hopefully, get inspired myself, perhaps inspire you too. Um, I am still in Amsterdam. I'll be back in in uh, Australia in a couple of days to uh, start work on the second season of The Bachelor. Thank you so much for all the support so we can bring that show back. That makes me very, very happy. Um, But let me tell you about uh, my guests today. They are two brothers. Yes, it's the first time I've done a double double header. (laughs) So it's the first time I've got two people on the show. Um, Carrie and Ryland, who are the guys behind Cafe Gratitude, they tell a really interesting story about how they met as brothers, which is really, uh, really fascinating. You can find them on Twitter. You can find uh, Carrie at, at Carrie This, C-A-R-Y, This. And you can find Ryland, Love Being Ryland, R-Y-L-A-N-D. You can find them both on Twitter. Let them know you heard them here. These are the, these are the guys behind bringing um, one of the most more interesting and definitely successful 
um, plant-based restaurants down to Los Angeles, but I, I know that many people listening to this are nowhere near Los Angeles, so I'm not really here to talk about what the food is like or what the restaurant is like. It's more how they run the business, and I'm really kind of fascinated in businesses that run and um, uh, not only uh, turn a profit, because that's important because you need to pay the rent, but... Um, look after the community. Do something for the the, the community. They're like triple bottom line businesses, and, and and as we get right into it, in that you know these guys started the restaurant wanting to really positively affect the community, and they ended up making a really really successful chain of restaurants. Um, it wasn't all about let's make a successful chain of restaurants and hopefully impact the community. They did it the other way around, and you know what? It worked. And we'll get into why. So. If you're in business, if you're thinking of starting a business, or um, maybe it might make you think about where you work in a different way, um, I certainly hope you enjoy it. They're amazing gentlemen. Please do find them on Twitter. Let them know you heard them here. Once again, you can find Ryland at LoveBeingRyland, uh, and you can find his brother at CarryThis, C-A-R-Y-T-H-I-S. This is a great chat. Um, it took place in my house in Venice Beach about uh, three weeks ago. Um, this is uh, Carrie and Ryland, the guys that uh, brought Cafe Gratitude to LA. I hope you enjoy this, my friends. Well, how are you guys? Very good. Excellent. You we, good? We, we rode on our bikes over here. It's yeah. very Venetian of you. It was totally <laughs> Venetian of us. <laughs> Which never happens. Yeah, I know. It's totally we, we never we, go we on live, bike rides together. We live, we, we live two, two, like two blocks away from each other. And I think we both, the last time we rode on bikes together in Venice was before we both lived here. Yeah. And that photo is on your... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, on my little iPad. That's right. I, look, I, I love it. And we were just talking about being in Amsterdam. There was something about being in a city that the whole city gets around on bicycles and everyone's mm-hmm. just totally fine with it. And not just, you know, dudes like me on a fixie, but... You know, old women and old men just their groceries on the back. Yeah. They don't need a car. Or 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 a girl like dressed to the nines with high heels and going out to the you know and and on a bike with the heels sticking path through the pedals and, and the like... so, the side saddle when they jump on side saddle with the running start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was super super impressed by that. So I'm I'm, so, I'm really grateful you guys can be here today because a lot of people. Um, whenever they ask me about where I should eat in LA when they come, because I don't know if you realize, but the number one nationality of people getting off the planet LAX is Australian. I imagine. 600,000 Australians so get off the planet LAX every year. That, that actually makes sense because I've been, you know, I work in the mornings at the Cafe Gratitude and the, the number one person that I interview that, you know, I find out, oh, they have an accent and I ask them where they're from. The number one person, international person coming into Cafe Gratitude is from where exactly? Australia. And I tell, I tell everyone, whenever they say, where should I go? I'm like, get off the plane. It's 20 minutes from the airport. Go there. Because <laughs> the planes arrive early in the morning. Go there. Get, get straight in. You must have sent... I've, I've, I've talked to some of your friends. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about what you guys do. That's why do. I married an Australian. The higher chance of uh, someone saying yes. There were so many of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm real passionate about what you guys do. I'm real passionate about the, the culture of, that you've created, the culture that you've created with a restaurant and, and now with Gracias Madre as well being here in LA. I really like to talk about that. I like to talk about a lot of things with you guys today. But I think I'd like to start with how do you, how do you actually know each other? How did you come to know each other? Good story. Um, I'll start. You can tell the second half, I guess. Okay. Um, uh, my mother married Ryland's father, so we're stepbrothers. When I was uh, 20, 21, which is the, leads into that Amsterdam story we were talking about earlier. 
Yeah, um, so both. Uh, so my mom was, you know, single, and Ryan's father was single and living in San Francisco, and they were um, both working for a, a transformational company called Landmark Education, and um, they met each other through that, and then. Um, kind of, you know, started dating, and me and Rylan got to know each other, and we were both very different at the time. <laughs> and um, and then Cafe Graduate got born out of our parents' creation, wanting to, you know, actually create a board game, which was a, a, a totally different concept. And then it evolved I, I, I want to get restaurant. to how that happened first, but what I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite interested, because I'm from a, my parents' divorced, you know, um, I don't know if that's how your original family unit ended up, but my parents divorced, and I always was horrified that my father would meet someone that would have another kid and I'd have to get to know a stranger and it would be really weird. Yeah. What was it like when you first met each other? Do you remember the day you met? I, told, I remember, Rylan, I was so, I'm, I'm, this, I'm living in San Diego. Um, you know, I'm, a little backstory. I'm, 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 I'm in college. I'm, I'm, I have an ROTC scholarship, which is a military scholarship because my real father is in the military. So I'm like, you know, San Diego, like white bread city, um, you know, straight-laced Navy, Navy kid. And, um, and ROTC, the only exposure I know of ROTC is what I saw in Animal House. Right, right, right. It's right. like the college kind of version of it's like you go from here into the army. Exactly. It's exactly. like the pipeline. That's what it is. It's a West Point military or Absolutely. Like that. That's what it is. And um, I was hating it. Um, but I was, I was in that world. And one Christmas, I think, you know, my, I was visiting my mom in San Francisco and she was dating this guy, Matthew. And I was going to meet his kids. And it was Ryland and his sister Molly, and in my impression, they were two um, like rich, spoiled kids who wanted to be black, and they would wear FUBU jumpsuits, hundred percent velour FUBU, like Echo, mostly urban African American clothing brands with for, like for us, for us bias, for FUBU. us bias, FUBU for us it stands for for us bias. Oh, I, re- for, I recall yeah. very well. Fat farm, yeah, yeah. you know. He had an accent. Right around, walked with a swagger. He had a Puerto Rican chin strap. chin strap beard, which is like you know, it's like this thin little beard that goes all the way around. It requires enormous amount of morning <laughs> manicuring, massive. And he, he had an accent, and he walked with a limp, and he had a two-way pager, which was you know, all the buzz then. I mean, this is like text messaging on like a little mini computer, you know. And um, so when I first met him, I was I was like, oh god, you know, who is this kid? Just, and his sister was, is a, you know, a comp- you could spend a whole hour just talking about his sister's personality. She's totally over the top. They're both great. But the first impression was, was uh, you know, two different worlds completely colliding. That was uh, a little bizarre. What was left you? Well, I was, you know, for me, that's not ready. Um, for me, you know, essentially, I grew up in Ithaca, New York, and my sister, at an early age, as an re- act of rebellion, because we were hippies. We, you know, we were, we were, um, you know, poor hippies that my mom and dad created a clothing line and became rich. When I was probably, you know, went, we went from kind of dirt poor, uh, you know, only shopping at Salvation Army, to you know, when I was probably fifteen or sixteen, they had created, um, you know, a multi-million-dollar clothing company. Damn. So our life changed drastically, but. Because my sister was, you know, always trying to get attention, and you know, we were our parents were hippies, so you couldn't do that many things that would piss, you know, some hippies off. So Molly had to go the other direction, and so she started, you know, dating drug dealers, and you know, like that was her whole thing, and you know, dating only only black men and kind of like a gangster type archetype, 
and so that became like my role models and you know hip hop music became my music and you know black women became you know the women I was like I only wanted to date black women because it somehow validated that I was you know real <laughs> um, and so that was you know that was like you know 10 years of my life and then I met Carrie and yeah, he, he just occurred like this dorky white kid from San Diego who was like, <laughs> wanted to work at Pacific Swimwear. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just, <laughs> uh, you know, he's always funny, but just kind of like a dorky <laughs> white kid from the suburbs. And I was accurate. And, <laughs> and I was, uh, you know, cultured and in, in uh, black culture. And that was just who I was. So, um, but, you know, ultimately, the reality was our family has always been. Uh, an accepting family that really accepts and loves one another. So ultimately, from even though we were different, I always loved them. I mean, right, very early on, I remember making a distinct decision that I was going to like step away from the whole stepbrother conversation, and he was just going to be my brother, and I was going to full on embrace him, love him as a brother. And I was thrilled because I only had a, I only had a sister growing up who we had a lot of conflict and fight with. So I was thrilled to have you know two new brothers. And we were pretty similar in age. So for me, um, of course, there was like mild judgment of like very different, different life. But ultimately, I loved him. And uh, I still do. What was, the, uh, what was the first time you felt kind of that click that you were like, this, this could actually work? It's not just like the dude that is the son of the person that my parents are with. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I, mean, I don't think he's ever answered that Is there a moment? I mean, I think... I think in in Amsterdam, like high on mushrooms together. <laughs> you know, you stare over next to someone, you're crying, you're like, yo, man, I love, you know. That, I mean, that was a very, uh, I think that trip, uh, you know. And when you tr mean trip, you mean yeah, journey. Yeah, yeah, a trip in many, in, 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 in many ways. Um, so it was your 21st birthday? No, it was, it was my, 20, it was my 21st birthday. birthday and, and Matthew, who is my stepfather, Ryan's dad, you know, is still, is still um, kind of, subconsciously trying to win my love through purchasing things, you know, because he's the new stepfather. So he's like, all right, Carrie, we're going to, for, Am for um, your 21st birthday, we're going to Amsterdam, leaving on Friday, coming back on Monday. Damn, that's a quick so, turnaround. Yeah, yeah, so we um, pop hopped on a plane, and um, me, Ryland, and uh, Matthew, it was like a, a boys' trip, and head out there for the weekend. And, you know, that was a, that was a weekend that was all about kind of connecting and having a, a kind of, Little um, bringing the family together. Bring the family together, exactly. Through psilocybin. Through psilocybin, it, it's a good conduit. Literally, the the question that was proposed at the table, you know, late at night, deep into the the journey, uh, was my father asked each one of us what we'd like to be forgiven for, and we did. I mean, it literally. That was the first question of the day. This was this was yeah. This was this is this is how you trip in this family. You know, it, when it, when it used to happen, it was like. You know, we 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 eat mushrooms because we're having our Amsterdam experience, and we're in the we're in the Van Gogh Museum, like you know, doing our art trip. And then we it starts to kick in, and we and as we're leaving the museum, and we go to a coffee shop, like we need There's, to find a little nest. Yeah, we need to sit down. We need to ground, and um, we sit down in a little coffee shop, and there's the bartender, and just us, and like a lonely, like a, a random guy in the back, and. Matthew being Matthew, um, you know, he's, there's no small talk with Matthew, my stepfather. It's 100% like authentic communication. Let's get to like the real source of everything right away. And yeah, the question he posed, like, okay, let's all go around. Let's share, like, let's reflect on our lives. And anything you want to be forgiven for, share it now. This is a safe space and we'll forgive you for it. 
And so that, you know, that bled into, you know, it was like a four hour conversation yeah. of just tears and, um, you know, and, and, and connection and love. And um, so I think that was, that would be one of the moments, probably the earliest moment when that kind of relationship got established. It's, it's interesting when you, when you hear stories of people using this medicine as, you know, a native people would have used it, mm. you know, in, in, in ceremony, so to speak, because essentially yeah. you were conducting a ceremony. It was a bonding ceremony. It was an, uh, all the channels are wide open. You're not just like, hey, let's go and watch Pink Floyd live at Pompeii. This will be yeah. fun. It's like, no, let's open some channels while they're open and then like, let's come and rearrange some stuff while we're in there. Yeah. That's kind of, I always find that kind of interesting. That's the, I mean, in my impression, I would say that's the, the biggest thing that Ryland's family has has brought into my life is not 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 just in in the context of ceremonial medicines, but just that that kind of space is always about anything that we create aims to, um, you know, facilitate really constructive conversations that have us grow. And so the the first question of the day. What do you want to be forgiven for? I guess you could say that is the first question. We've never put that together, but it's a good observation on your part. Well, I think that's the, that was the first thing I noticed about the, the, when I came to eat at Cafe Gratis. She was like, why is this person asking me a question? <laughs> it always reminded me of that. Um, and you've probably heard this before. It always reminded me of the Monty Python sketch from The Meaning of Life. When the waiter is offering them, made that off offering them conversation, well, this yeah. is what you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talk about that conversation about Burt Bacharach and Hal David, uh, right. <laughs> the amazing songwriting duo. But it always reminded me of that, and I've always appreciated it. Um, if you've never eaten a cafe gratitude, when you sit down, your, your, your server will ask you the question of the day, um, and then when you finally eat, you finish eating your plate on the bottom of the plate. It says, "What are you grateful for?" Um, but we'll we'll get to that a little later on. Um, so it sounds like you guys have had a pretty good experience with the kind of the, the combination family because it doesn't always work like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it's been uh, easy. We I can't mean, all be been... the Brady Bunch, you know? right? Um, I mean, and we're not only the Brady Bunch, but we also then run a Brady Bunch, you know, family organization. Yeah. Um, which you know, it's one thing to be family on Thanksgiving and Christmas together, mm. and that can be challenging for many, but to actually be daily in, you know, the operations of something and creating something and, you know, pushing something forward with, uh, you know, the family dynamic and... Working together, yeah. The, the conflicting, the possible conflicting, pers you know, ideas of how something should go. But we've, as a family and as an organization, we've really put a lot of attention and practice in, you know, bowing to the one who is the most passionate and the most um, clear about how they want it to go, you know, because... You know, sometimes, you know, it, it's, I, I just, my, my thought is it's got to be this way. And if, you know, if my conviction is more powerful than Carrie's on that topic, he'll bow to me. And the same thing if Carrie's like, no, it's got to go this way. I bow to that, you know, that conviction and say, all right, great. I trust you. And what role does, um, you know, you mentioned Landmark Education. I've done the, the first weekend mm -hmm. and I've taken a few seminars here and there. But I always, I always found that to be... Just a really handy... I mean, with any of these things, you take what you take and you leave behind what you leave behind. And I always found it to be like a very... If someone else has done it, it at least gives you, at the very least, a common dialogue, a common language right. that, that you can talk in. I mean, it's the same in, you know, 
maybe whatever, like a 12-step program or whatever, like there's a common dialogue that you can have with someone using a similar tool set mm -hmm. of language. Do you find that that is a factor in, in helping this be easy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that... Um, I mean, yeah, 100%. There, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a level of communication that happens within our family that I sometimes take for granted and just get used to. And then I leave the family dynamic and if I'm hanging out with old friends or, or someone else's family, and I realize how much is in the unsaid and how many people kind of step quietly around each other or walking on eggshells or we don't talk about that in our family. And that just doesn't exist in our family. It's like uh, every single thing, whether you want it to be talked about or not, is going to be talked about. And that level of transparency, I think, for me at least, is really freeing. Um, and, you know, when you're free, it's like, you know, it's just such, such a larger experience of being alive and feeling connected and in love with the person that you're with, whether it be your father or your, or your brother or your... And certainly present, for want of a better word. For a, certainly, I know that in the, in the past, in my family, we've we've all worked very hard. It takes, takes work. It's not like it's hey, we just forget about it. Yeah. It takes work. You have to have a conversation where things get cleaned up, and you have to have a conversation yeah. where everything gets said that needs to be said. But what it allows you to do is to no longer live like that day in 1989. You know, yeah. it allows you to be here today yeah. in this moment. Um, because I often find that when you have those moments, and in America you get the double dose, you get Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> in Australia you kind of generally just get Christmas. Um, where all of a sudden everyone, they live their lives, they live their day-to-day -day lives, and then suddenly it's a time warp and they're 15 again. Right. And, you know, mum's in her early 40s and, and, you know, and everyone just goes back to the way it was. And then they step away from that day and they're like, oh, back to, yeah. back to normal. Totally. And it's real conflicting because your inner psyche is trying to run by rules that you haven't run by for mm -hmm. 20 years sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a high... Um, I think there's just an understanding within our family, and we try to carry it over into business. I think it's the, kind of the core aspect of our business is really to have that level of transparent conversation. You know, just to be in open communication with one another, and when there's something to clear up, no one really tolerates just sitting on it and not saying anything. It's, it's very intentionally... Um, addressed right away and it'd be one thing if you say that and we're not talking about a bit and we're talking about a business that's kind of small but you're saying that and we're talking about a thriving chain of restaurants that's feeding hundreds and hundreds of people every day right. and inspiring thousands more mm -hmm. so uh, you know it's got to be something that's working yeah yeah i think so i, I uh yeah i was gonna just reiterate something he said when was if we if if there's a relationship whether it's within a manager and a general manager or it's between me and my brother or me and one of my parents and there's something that's incomplete or there's something we're thinking about that what happened that didn't sit well with one of the parties there's nothing else to talk about until that gets talked about and that's really like it it we've given each other the permission to say if there's something I'm thinking about but not saying the first thing I'm going to do is is say it because we're, we're clear that you know if a good life is based on our ability to be connected, and you know if we have something that we're thinking but not saying, everything we're going to say on but on top of that will just create a divide within you know within managers within family members. But if that doesn't get you know it's basically like um, you know s housekeeping you know uh, internal housekeeping. That you know that it's the most important thing to 
make sure that there is um, a clarity and a, um, a sense of completion with that person. Otherwise, there's nothing else to do because otherwise you're just building um, a, you know, a house on a faulty foundation. It's one thing to have these kind of communications within a personal relationship between brothers or between husbands and wives and between parents, but to take that into a workplace, um, had you, had, had you ever heard that it had been done before? Have you? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was conscious, like we're going to take this level of communication into business. It was really more general than that. Like, we want to have a business that fosters personal transformation. You know, what if we merge the spiritual with the commercial was kind of the idea in the beginning? Can, can those two intermingle? Can we find fulfillment in our lives through our work? And, and then I think, again, we just naturally brought our own level of communication into the workplace because we were the ones building it and running it. And um, it has its challenges, but it's, it's also the most fulfilling part of the job because it's, it's, it's straightforward. It's just practicing, you know, like if, I mean, inevitably in a workplace, obviously people don't get along all the time or this happened and blah, 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 blah. This person said this, this person said this. And I, and my impression while I haven't worked for a lot of other businesses is that stuff just kind of like leave your drama at home and just come here and work, which has its own efficiency. But we really, um, really like, okay, great. Sit down. Like, tell the person directly and, and we teach them skills on how to communicate so that it's not accusatory or, uh, or entirely like taking zero responsibility for your part in it um, but keeping that really clean keeps uh, the restaurant feeling inspired and, and that translates to a good environment that people want to be around you know what's been your feedback when you first started implementing this amongst staff and, and newcomers and things like that uh, well I mean, we originally started in San Francisco with 12 employees, and my dad was the server, and Teresi was in the kitchen. Uh, and so, you know, at, at that point, I mean, it was even more wacky because it was, we literally, was, it was the intention was that you walked into a virtual board game, and which was the original kind of uh, mapping or the blueprint of Cafe Gratitude was this transformational board game which you said we'll talk about well yeah later. let's talk yeah. about it yeah. so it was your your folks that put this board game together yeah they they had a you know they had an insight after they got married and the insight was to create a transformational board game and share with people with community through this board game all the different spiritual practices um, that are you know seen in all you know spiritual tra- traditions religions but you know some of those through-line things that are in you know in all great wisdom. There's a lot of commonality. Treat people how you'd like to be treated. Yeah, yeah. You're not the biggest thing in they're, the universe. Yeah, they're the universal themes that kind of string through yeah. all religions. Yeah. And and basically give it to people in the the format of a board game. Make it lighthearted. Make a game out of it. Uh, and then they thought, well, how are we going to introduce the game? And then they thought, well, we're in San Francisco. Let's make a little cafe. And people will show up for a coffee and a muffin or a juice, and we'll 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 throw them a little, you know, uh, a little invitation to the question of the day: What are you grateful for? Uh, and that, that was actually started through a, an experiment where Matthew and Teresi spent a month of their life traveling through uh, San Francisco and doing all their little things that they were doing: go to the DMV, you know, going through a toll booth, and they would always ask the question: What are you grateful for? And they saw that the the 
value of the conversation and the connection that was created just with those that question being posed expanded, you know, infinitely they, they were to the degree where they were having, you know, moving conversations and learning people, you know, learning things about people that would never be shared in a general public space or over the exchange of, you know, here's three dollars for the meter uh, or for the toll. And so, you know, that really became the first question of the day, which was, what are you grateful for? Really seeing that the kind of community that's created when that conversation is introduced is amazing. And then so it was like the, the restaurant became the environment to invite people into you know, the, that conversation. Because really, when we're, when we're aware of gratitude, we're present to gratitude, we are filled up. That, the, 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 the very essence of gratitude is this experience of fullness. And when we're full, we want to give something away. We want to share something. We want to acknowledge something. Most of the time, we walk around vacant, trying to fill that vacancy with consumption, with buying things, with you know, um, all kinds of external uh, stimulus. And so, and, and so you know, gratitude creates a placeholder where it reminds us of the fullness of our life. And then who we become as beings, as humans, we become givers instead of takers. And, so, and, and that creates a particular culture. Um, because if everyone, if everyone felt good about themselves, they would be being kind, and that would ultimately be, you know, peace on earth. But, you know, there's a, there's a, a human deficiency, which is this idea or scarcity or uh, I'm not enough, there's something missing, I need to get it, I need to get some stature, I need to be somebody big in the world who, you know, that ha is important so then I can feel loved, I can feel enough. And so gratitude is a momentary placeholder that gives us this sense of relief, this fullness, that then we want to be kind, generous, loving beings. And I guess the other distinction that I would make on, on that would be that uh, gratitude is it, it's internal. Everything else you discussed was, I'm not enough, so I have to have something to make it enough. Exactly. But gratitude is, and it can start at the, 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 the lowest of lower levels. That's you know, right. I'm, I'm grateful I've got two feet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm grateful, you know, that I'm, yeah. I'm safe right now. I'm grateful my neighbors are renovating. You know, there's something that you can start as low as, yeah. as got, low as you like. I got molars. I can chew food. Right. I had a shower this morning. There's infinite, I mean, there's a great quote that says, human beings have an infinite capacity to take things for granted. <laughs> but they're all, the good news is they also have an infinite capacity to be grateful. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're training people on through the restaurant or reminding them of. It's, it's an interesting place to start a business rather than I want to make a profit, I want to you know, yeah. you know, get featured in a magazine, I want to get acquired, <laughs> I want to start a franchise, I want to you know, be in airports. Yeah. It's like, no, I just want to make a place to ask this question. Yeah, <laughs> or I want to I wanna, I wanna, um, create a feeling, you yeah. know? I mean, that's the, that's the genius, I think, behind what our parents really whether consciously or unconsciously stumbled upon was they recognized the, uh, a feeling they would have when they were engaged in a certain conversation. And like, okay, great, how can we further you know, expand this? It wasn't about making money. It, it was like, okay, let's, let's create this space and then success will show up around that because that's what we're, we're focusing on, you know, propagating like positivity and gratitude. So speaking of the way you guys do business, there was a... That was your folks that wrote a book, Sacred Commerce? Uh -huh. That's right. Have you seen the way you do business and the way that you run Cafe Gratitude and Gracias Madre around in California? Have you seen that 
used in other companies, people following the, this model? I would say that, um, I'd say, I mean, we've sold hundreds of the books, uh, maybe and actually probably thousands at this point. So I know that, I know specifically probably five to ten businesses that have taken it on and are sort of articulating that they're practicing sacred commerce practices. And I would say that, you know, there's more than that because that's just the ones I'm aware of. And then, you know, inside of many people reading the book, I know that there's probably little variations or, you know, things that have been, components that have been borrowed from sacred commerce um, that are, you know, probably happening in tons and tons of businesses. And, you know, I know that this is not a completely unique idea. There was actually a, another book called Sacred Commerce previous to Matthew and Teresi's book coming out. Um, so, you know, and then there's another book, a guy named Charles Eisenstein, who has a book called Sacred Economics, which is also, and, you know, and, and I think it's becoming even more and more, you know, Zappos and, you know, all these businesses that really are starting to see the triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. So it's, I think, very, you know, there's parts of it that are, you know, becoming, you know, very big in, in business at this, at this point is, you know, people want to know that value is being created, not just for themselves in the product that they buy, but they want to know that there's been value created to the people who produce the product and how it got to where it's being sold and, you know, the manufacturing of it. So I think the idea, to the degree that we're doing it, there's probably a few rest, a few businesses that are doing it, but, um, but I think that there's tons that are taking, you know, portions of it and are having the same insight themselves and wanting to create an experience as Carrie spoke of. Because, you know, if we really get straight about it, right, if we, if we really kind of just wash away all the sort of we need to be successful, business is about making money, the bottom line. If, you know, every, every person who's made a business that way has had a moment by themselves you know, in a room going, wow, I'm not fulfilled with just that as my mission. Because, I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's an archaic idea of, you know, self-preservation, self-fulfillment. Self and I, I'm pretty clear in how many people I've talked to who've, you know, had very successful businesses that that, that isn't it. That isn't where we find ourselves uh, fulfilled. We find ourselves fulfilled in our contribution to others. I think we're at, we're at a very interesting time in, in economics globally, I, I feel. I'll, further to what you're saying, the, I think it was the conference in London, I might get the name of it wrong, the Ghana conference, it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago now. Um, I heard about it when I was in Amsterdam at school, and they were talking that there's an overwhelming feeling among even some of the biggest multinational corporations that doing social good is actually effective for their bottom line. Yeah, it is. And that... To, to be really cynical about it, and I'm, you know, I'm present to that, to that, like people who are healthy, not dying of diabetes, and people who aren't drowning from global warming flooding can keep giving us money. So, you know, there's an economic benefit for, for doing good for the planet. Right, right, right. I mean, we were, I was at a, a restaurant conference um, a few months ago at uh, UCLA, and this is like Taco Bell is delivering, you know, this keynote speech to the CEO of Taco Bell and, you know, all this. And him, along with everyone else, like, the whole theme was, if you're not, you know, but we're, we're in a group called the Millennials, which is, like, 
you know, what, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you, you've grown up through the millennium. We're deemed by marketing people as millennials. And they're like, if you want to survive and you want to market to millennials and you want to thrive as a business, you have to be a mission-driven company. Like, millennials respond to companies that have a, a social justice mission. And it was, it was, it was, it was both uh, kind of, like, really inspiring and yeah, bittersweet for me because here I am, like, feeling like, oh, yeah, like, people are finally catching up to what we've been doing for, you know, 10 years, and that's amazing. Like, if, we, if I'm really committed to change, yes, I absolutely want Taco Bell to take on a mission-driven company. Um, and it was just ironic to be like, oh, okay, Taco Bell. Like, you know, like, uh, something I associate with not necessarily the most... Um, Fresh, pr freshly produced uh, food on the planet. That's sustainable. Business yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, um, anything conscious. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How so, can we sell the cheapest food? But you know, to those, most people. those <laughs> companies, those companies, we need those companies to be involved if we're really committed to change on a large scale. And if it's happening slowly, happening now, I think it definitely is slowly happening now. And um, I welcome it. I'm thrilled by it. We'll see how. I have to think about out. what. If, what if a company along those lines, like let's Taco Bell's Pepsi, right? Mm -hmm. Tricor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I often think about what if a company like that just went, "That's it. Yeah. We're going plant based. Yeah. They've got the distribution. They've got the farms. They've got the marketing. Massive. They've got the customer base. They've got the drive-throughs. They've got everything. Yeah. They could change the world. I know. <laughs> like overnight, if they wanted to. Yeah. I often wonder, like, if that'll happen one day. I went to a restaurant when I was in Tel Aviv uh, three weeks ago. It was this famous for being Israel, by the way, is like on this full vegan trip. Yeah, I mean, everyone's, it's so funny. Like, you know how when yeah, someone tells you about something and then you hear about it from five different people for some reason? I mean, everyone's been telling me to go to Israel. You're like the fifth person. All right, so I was married to an Israeli, so I've been going there for many, many years. We're not mm -hmm. married anymore, but I, I went there many, many times. And I loved it as a vegan in Israel because they keep uh, kosher. You can be absolutely 100% sure that the kitchen is separate. And so I would just go nuts. I would just eat everything. Because I'm like, yes, I know this has got no dairy or egg in it. And I would go crazy. But now you go to the restaurants there and like even this, the, the fanciest, fanciest places, there's a green leaf sitting on the menu. And you know, like a whole restaurant, there's this Georgian restaurant, right? So like uh, as in the, the part of the nation, Georgia, mm -hmm. which used to be like just beef and oxtail and whatever. The whole place has gone vegan, a whole 100% vegan. And it's packed. Top to bottom. She's yeah. in the middle of Tel Aviv. So weird. I mean, this has happened in the past 10 years. I mean, or even sooner than that, in the past six, five, six five, years. Yeah. I mean, when we opened the first Cafe Gratitude in 2004, I didn't know what vegan was, you know. And um, there, was one, there was one vegan restaurant in San Francisco, and it was, it was weird. You know, and we, we were weird uh, furthermore, but <laughs> still are. He's I mean, still are, still are. Um, <laughs> But now it's so interesting how vegan is. Everyone, everyone knows what vegan is, and um, and and it's it's amazing how popular it's become. It's great. When people, I guess, when people heard, oh, I've been vegan for ages. Like, I think I was vegetarian since I was about twenty-five and forty, and I've been vegan since I was twenty-eight. And there was a time when people almost took offense. It's yeah. like when I tell people I don't drink. Yeah, they almost take it personally. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of really interesting to see that that shift in society. When did you first notice a tipping point that, well, maybe we could open another restaurant, or maybe we need a bigger floor space? When did you notice that it was really starting to hit? And was there a catalyst? Um, I mean, in because there, 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 there was ground zero. <laughs> right, right. There were two. There were two. There were two moments, in my opinion. Maybe Ryan will have different ones. But when we opened the first Cafe Gratitude in two thousand four. I mean, we were serving 
The menu was 95% raw food, so it was all raw. We had quinoa and rice were the only cooked options. Um, furthermore, it's this live gaming parlor, right? That's all about bringing people's awareness towards gratitude and fulfillment and, and spreading that vibe. So, you know, in my opinion, super weird. And Mark, people walked in, they were like, what the hell is going on in here? And you, you, know? you couldn't get your own table. I mean, every table in the restaurant was a community table. You, and it was all kind of like benches. So you had to yeah, sit yeah. like all, you know, it's like, all right, you guys sit next to each other. And there's two other people. You have to ask them to move to get out to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and there's a big board game on the table. It's all colorful with cards. Uh, and... Was- <laughs> so it was, it was, it stretched people. <laughs> it totally stretched people. But I remember I was, I was just, I was going, I was working behind the smoothie bar, going to college, going to film school in San Francisco. I just needed a job. And I was just thinking, man, my mom's opening this weird restaurant. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> you know, and I'm, but cute girls work there. So I was all about it. And, um, remember, yeah. The dread. I remember who was, uh, Deva. Deva. Oh, God, I yeah. such a crush on her. Um, and I was just, uh, those are just a little kind of brotherly look between yeah. you. <laughs> remember her? Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> um, but there was a moment when all of a sudden, you know, we were packed. Like, I was just like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what the hell are these people thinking? This, like, you know, it was just standing room only, and it was, it was amazing. I was like, wow, this is really, people are, are responding to this breath of fresh air of like, this is just out there. And they loved it. And I really, I really, uh, you know, love San Francisco for kind of carrying that torch for the West Coast. Like, if it's something cutting edge and it's out there and it's where like, usually San Francisco's involved. And um, it was, it was just super busy. And um, that was kind of, we started opening up location. We've opened one location every year. Um, for eight years. Um, so we had eight restaurants in the Bay Area. And so that was a moment. And then when we when we moved to L.A. three years ago, that was like a whole nother moment because we were used to a certain level of business that we felt like that we had in San Francisco. And then when we opened our first L.A. location, it was triple that. And it was like a tidal wave that, you know, I was just like, this is going to kill me. This is way too busy. This is like, I can't comprehend this much food and this many people and managing this large of it. I was used to managing, you know, a restaurant that had, you know, 15, 20 people that worked there. And when to run a Cafe Gratitude is, uh, there's like 105 people that work in a location. And it was such an overwhelming experience. And then, you know, LA being this celebrity culture because of the movie business, all of a sudden, it's like hip and trendy, and there's all these celebrities in the restaurant. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is, it was just a really weird uh, moment where it, it, it took on a different life, and it started to get accepted and, and popularized by a different group of people, and it was a big growing, growing experience. Did it stretch your use of this kind of method of running a business did you have to adjust it in any way when once it started to scale up like four times from 25 employees to 100 and something um no we, i mean we've had a real i mean in terms of in terms of integrating the sacred commerce principles and having the workplace still be a, a place of development and growth now that's like we'll never compromise that so um it just became uh we need to get more creative about how to do things efficiently mm-hmm. you know you can't sit down and um necessarily have a 20 minute uh you know, processing processing conversation with two employees while the restaurant's you know buzzing. So you have to time things differently. But um, the commitment to 
to to how the space feels and, and our principles as a business, um, we just kind of got more focused on it. And so similar to similar to Carrie, the, you know, in San Francisco, we you know there was there was a, a sense of success and expansion in Los. I mean, in in San Francisco, but that was it was kind of like we were creating success in San Francisco. Like we were big, we were, we were big fish in a little, little pond. And then to come to LA and see the scale of how many people every day and where people were coming from and international, it became, you know, the awareness became, wow, this is, this is a globally influential, uh, you know, scene and people are coming from all over the world to see and experience this. So it was like, we came to LA and it was like, we jumped in the ocean and and then we start we started to see wow we're, people even know about us in this big in this huge pond you know because in San Francisco it was kind of like oh yeah we're like a little neighborhood cafe that people love and and it's all over San Francisco people are into it but it was like came, coming to L A was kind of like the world stage instead of just the San Francisco stage um, and uh, yeah the you know the yeah the, I mean it's interesting that San Francisco even though it's very uh, cutting edge and accepting of new ideas. San Francisco almost. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Was a little bit more resigned to, because in San Francisco there was a, a big community, kind of hippie, new age, um, spiritual community. That loved that could make Cafe Grat had enough people to make Cafe Gratitude popular. But then we came, and that was who was our customer base. But when we came to LA, that that's not really the you know now everyone is our customer. And actually, well, in San Francisco, those people who who are kind of into that, who kind of were like, oh, I don't want to hear the question of the day. I already know about that kind of like almost like, oh, I've been there, done that. Oh, I know about affirmations. Oh, I know about gratitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to ask me that. I, I get that would be like, you don't need to, intro, I've already been introduced to that idea. I do that. You don't have to like do that on me in the restaurant. Where in LA, people are like, 
you're asking, you know, there, there was even a more, there was a, a more of a craving for it because it wasn't been there, done that San Francisco. We know about intentional communities. We know about intentional language, you know, transformational workshops. And so there was almost like San Francisco was almost somewhat over it where LA was like so hungry for, uh, this, you know, this food, but also this space that had people feel, feel like they were loved and accepted and that there was a true sense of community. Because if you think about LA is it's, you know, thousands, millions of people coming to be successful here, no one having a family, everyone being social, very social, but really knowing that their social engagements are really just, they're only being social until they can get to some next prong or mm -hmm. can somehow have a success and I hang out with people who can get me somewhere next and if they can't get me where someone, I just clip them off and even everybody's inside of that operating system and so ultimately there's a huge desperation for connection uh, and so to bring a place that wasn't, had no other agenda but creating a cohesive, connected community was like, oh, what, as Kerry said, a you know, breath of fresh air coming into a place where people were just generally kind and loving and you know, would ask interesting questions and would cared about who you were, whether it you know, didn't matter who you were. But it's not often that some people can be this way. You know, my, my yoga teacher talks to me like this, you know, but, you know, she lives with three people. She gets paid yoga teacher money. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not has a massive financial success. But the, the actual like the, the nuts and bolts of it is, is you you've been able to open these two very, very successful restaurants in places where real estate is not cheap. And a third now with Gracias Madre and like, dude, like Robertson and Melrose, I can't even imagine how much rent you're paying there. But this way of doing business and this message that you're sending is aligning with an economic benefit yeah. and that's for me that's kind of it's just super fascinating that yeah. that it's just clicked why i mean beyond beyond what you're saying like i mean how much time have you got do you have no, to get out of here? No, no, no. When do you have to leave? It's 10 to 11. I'm hanging out for until... For, this is fun. This You're is okay? It's my yeah, priority. Gonna, I got to pee in it's, it's over there. Right. Follow, follow the candle. Um, no, the other one. That's my bedroom. You can pee in there, but... You know, the candle. Yeah, you can pee in my bedroom, but, you know, I appreciate it. Those days are gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, that's, that's, that's the really interesting thing is that you've managed to be this way about your business, but... It seems to have hit such a, a vein. You've tapped into this vein in society. Yeah, that's so much more than just food. I know. It's. I mean, it's. It's. I wish I could be like, oh well, this is this is how we did it. 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 it, it for us. For me, I should say. Um, it, it, I'm still surprised by it. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm completely taken back by its success and. Um, and a little bit in awe of how it all came together and continue to hopefully preserve it and, and keep uh, perpetuating it. And, and um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But I'm, I'm also, it gives me a little bit of hope in humanity that it feels like the world shifting towards um, really accepting fresh new ideas that foster connection with one another as opposed to us all living individual lives with individual pursuits. Like... The fact that the West Hollywood crowd likes coming into a restaurant that, um, you know, is all about, in Gracias Madre's connection, or instance, all about the divine mother energy, you know? Yeah. Whether, that, whether that's maternal or spiritual or Mother Earth. And they're like, yeah, like, 
I mean, I think it, I think it resonates with, oh, hey, we're all, we're all kind of looking for the same thing. We're looking for, we're looking for love, <laughs> you know? I mean, as cliche and as simple it is, the Beatles had it right. It's like, all you need is love. And people can come into a place that, yeah, granted, we're going to design it really beautifully and we're going to make it as accommodating and, and welcoming as possible, but we're really going to push home this message that all you need is love. And the fact that people were responding to it, while in my cynical side is surprised by that, my, my, the side that has faith in humanity is like, of course, and all right, let's keep doing it and uh, celebrating it, you know? It's it interesting because Carrie's kind of, between the two of us, he's the very practical nuts and bolts. I'm the cynical like, one. <laughs> um, and I'm the, you know, I'm the eternal optimist. And, but it, it's funny because when, if you really get down to like what Carrie loves mo- the most is sitting around a, a table of people having a dinner with friends and, you know, talking about what he loves about his life or what he's grateful for, like that moment of that resonant connection of love and gratitude and enjoyment, you know, and, it, and so it, 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 it's clearly what we, I mean, it's almost undeniable when people, you really get, boil people down, well, what are you looking for? What, what is the substance that you want your life to be experiencing? And it really is the, the, that substance of love, that, that, that presence. Um, and so, you know, while there's so many layers on top of that that, you know, show up and are the restaurant and everything, if it's if the original kind of source of where it came from, and I think that's what makes us so amazing, is that we didn't, as you said earlier, we didn't come from a place of a good business model, a you know, of you know, all the ideas that would be translated through example and practice and operation. It didn't come from a bulletproof business model that was like, how do we get something for cheap, produce it, make it look really good sell it to a consumer at a, you know, a high profit margin and, wow, we, we did our good thing. No, it, it came from how do we use the workplace to culture this presence of love? How do we, how do we have this, this experience of these employees to be fully connected to their hearts, fully loving their lives, fully loving their work, and, and then they would be spilling that over in their service? And then that little spillover would ignite and light someone else's day that then would then ignite some interaction that they would have later. And then that would, you know, ultimately penetrate and inspire a culture that would be practicing this kind of energetic output. Would you say that that's the filter through which all the decisions about the business is made from the design of the restaurants, the design of the menu, where you source your produce? Like, it seems that you're, all, you're standing in this particular place because anyone that's been there, like, the place looks nice and the food's incredible, all right? If the food was shit, I mean, I don't think you guys... It wouldn't work. I don't think it would work so well. Like, let's no, be no. honest, man. You, want to, you get there and you eat that key lime pie, like, okay, maybe this vegan thing's pretty good, yeah, yeah. you know? That is dangerous, by the way. That is super dangerous. There's that a lime way. shortage currently, so it's not in the menu. But... Oh, that's a, no, I appreciate that. Uh, so, like, would you say that when it comes to any decision that you're making about the business, whether it be whether it be decor, opening hours, the website design, whatever, does it run through a particular filter? Absolutely. Um, I mean, R- R- Ryland's job title is Chief Inspiration Officer. So um, there's there's a, a very intentional um, within within the 
business partners, my family and, and our business partners, it's like, is this, is this fulfilling on our mission? You know, like, and really fostering, is this, is this adding to the space in a beneficial way? Or is it just there to be there? And, and, and I think that's kind of the filter it goes through. Like, what is this, what is this providing that wasn't provided before? And does that, does that adding to our fulfillment and experience of people? And you're, you're making these, you're asking these questions in reference to yourselves or to the community at large? Um, I mean, we're asking this, I mean, we ask those questions when it comes down to like, what kind of picture we can hang up on the wall? Like, what does that provide to the space? Nothing, get rid of it. Does it provide an experience of love and fulfillment and connection? Keep it up there. It, it, uh, when it comes to food, is this like, okay, is this the freshest, most taste, tasteful thing we can produce? Can we improve it anyway? You know, is it, in our case, always 100% organic? Is everything about it fresh? Like, that's a, we have a really high standard for food. Luckily, this whole family's like food snobs. And when we go to other restaurants, we're the most annoying people on the planet. I mean, we're kind, but it's like, I mean, we're, we're always how like... Can we, how can we, if, if there's something we can source locally, let's get it locally. We understand that something being flown in from Argentina or something being driven from San Diego, there's value that can't be seen, but we know that's value. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's forever looking at how to create value as the act, the ripple of our actions in you know on every level of business how is that going to bring the most value to our community to our um, work environment and to you know profit is part of that there's actually in sacred commerce there's a principle called pass if a business gets a pass which is uh, profitability which is love of the entity um, because again if you don't have the P in the past, you have an ass. You've made an ass out of yourself because you didn't have love for the entity. You had love for everything else. And ultimately, the entity is what provides the, um, the value and continuously is the, genera you know, the, the generator, the giver to, the, the, you know, as far as the food, as far as the right livelihood to your employees, as far as the space that nurtures this, you know, loving, good vibe. So... You know, profitability, that, you know, love of the entity. Um, a is awakening, is your, is your work environment providing transformation uh, and personal growth. Um, S is sustainability, that's self-explanatory. And then social justice, you know, are we looking at how we can create more equality um, in a world of inequality? you know, in our business model. And that is looking at, you know, where is our products being sourced from and, you know, fair trade or with just in, with our own business, um, you know, having uh, the front and the back of the house. And in California, the back of the house is oftentimes Latino or Mexicans. And, you know, really how do we create them as part of the community, not just a separate, you know, sort of unseen workforce, but how, how can we really include them? Like, for example, you know, they wanted to start a soccer team. I'm 33, I have no interest in playing soccer, but I play soccer every week with a bunch of Latino guys in a Latino league because it brings, they, they get that I love them and I, they get that I want to participate and, you know, play with them in the game that they love to play and that creates a, a sense of family. And they're so, total, total, total ninjas with the soccer ball. Total ninjas. <laughs> the cafe gratitude soccer team. So, <laughs> so so yeah, so absolutely. Um, so that's the pass, P-A-S-S. -S. Have you guys been like ever ever lectured at, like to MBA students? Have you, you know, no. been, been had a business study by the you know? <laughs> uh, uh, it's starting to come up now a little bit, 
where where people are asking us to 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 do to do things, um, and we take every opportunity we can. I mean, I think Rylan's had a couple things at colleges. Um, yeah, I, went, I actually got flown to New Zealand um, last year and got to lead a whole course on sacred commerce at a big conference at the in, in Auckland, um, which was pretty amazing. And I've I've there's there's a woman named um, Molly Lovick who has a uh, business school here in LA, and she like once every two months I go and speak to a class of her international business students about sacred commerce and um so yeah little little gigs here and there um but yeah I think at, we actually just sat with a woman who saw an article that me and Carrie wrote um in Huffington Post and she thought it was really inspiring and so she wanted to sit with us about writing a book about kind of our take on this whole business model and how it's taken off and so you know, I think it will probably develop more and more. Well, it seems like a pretty pretty good case study, yeah. you know, for what you guys, you know, when you're standing where you're standing and you're delivering what you're delivering and to such a, dude, you need more tea? There's a little bit more. Can I get you a glass of water or something? It's mm, good. You're looking kind of thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Um, uh, yeah, when, you, when you're standing where you're standing, when you're delivering what you're delivering and just, you know, I know I keep coming back to it, but the fact that it's, it's working exactly you know? economically. It's it's really working in this you know this free market. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean I mean from 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 a customer to your customer, like why do you think it's working? Like I'm curious to hear your perspective. When you come in, why do you come in? Uh, the first time I went to Larchmont, the two locations in LA, the Larchmont one was actually quite close to my house. I was living at Melrose and La Brea at the time. It was not even a mile away. It was pretty rad <laughs> because I came in because I was a bit. I was done with real food daily. I'd eaten everything on the menu seven times. I was all M cafe'd out. I couldn't couldn't do that anymore. Uh, and then I think I was training for the LA Marathon. Or one of the times I did it, and um, when I'm training for the LA Marathon, it's just a, it's like it's Ginsburg's vegan burger tour of LA. I would, right. just, <laughs> I would just wolf down the burger. I was like, that's a good burger. Um, but what I liked about it, I liked the the way the menu was all questions. Uh, not questions, statements. And I liked the question of the day very much. And I also just liked, uh, I very much liked the vibe and the, and the variation of, of food. Uh, that, and I always have a thing about vegan restaurants uh, that don't have animal rights posters up. I'm like, I'm, I'm already here. You don't need to show me the vivisection photos, thanks. Right, I, yeah. I get it. I've made that decision before I walked in. Mm-hmm. And... I, I really liked that. I really liked that it wasn't a, you know, a very kind of like an in-your-face, right. this is the, the scenario. I did get the vibe that there was something different about the staff, that everybody was on a different wavelength. <laughs> and when I, that day I moved to Venice, the day I had that, when I was radicalised here to Venice, I was telling the boys a story before I went on air. When I was first came out to Venice, I, I rode a fixed gear bicycle to Arche and I ate at a communal table in the back. And then I rode same fixed gear bicycle to a place called Moon Juice on Rose, and I paid eighteen dollars for a, a banana walnut smoothie. It was the most incredible <laughs> eighteen dollars I ever spent. But I looked across the street and I saw opening soon Cafe Gratitude. I was like, "There's a gratitude here." I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> I'm so moving. Um, and I, I like, I also, I won't lie, I get a vibe of, that I can't get a table. I like that I can't get a table. I like <laughs> that the place is packed to the rafters. And I like that there's that many people enjoying it. It, it, it buoys my, you know, 
my sense of, oh, wow, there's more people. I feel in a community yeah. like because I've been eating this way for a long time. And I never try to shove it down people's faces. If people ask, I'll tell them. You know, I'll say, look, it works for me and I, I don't have any problems. And, you know, I run marathons and I, I ride that bike for bloody miles at a time and everything's okay. I've got a clean bill of health and everything's fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to be shouting at people about what it is. I mean, this is the extent of it. Having right. this conversation with you and putting this show up will be about as big as it gets. You know, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't really shove it down people's faces. Um, and I also just like taking, I like taking omnivores to your restaurants because they really can't quite believe what they're eating, yeah. uh, which is really good. And when I heard that you were doing a Mexican place, I nearly lost my mind. <laughs> I'm going there for lunch on Wednesday. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm there like every week. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, you, you shared something that most people share, which is I like the vibe. I think that is a common thread amongst people who who like coming to our restaurants. And you know, there's there's an there's a there's a thing they can't put their finger on. Like, why do why do I like the way it feels in here? Um, and that's while we don't have a step by step formula to do that, we kind of do. <laughs> um, you know, like when people, I always relate it to. If I were imagine like I was building a nightclub, it's like people, you know, okay, let's make it, you know, whether it's like gold and shimmer and we'll have lights and this kind of music and a disco ball and you know what they're really creating is they want it to feel a particular way uh-huh. they're creating a vibe and, and and that's one thing um and mostly people are relating to the vibe is being created by physical objects in the room like you know the the music the 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 disco ball the lights the way the decor and um we put a lot of attention on our staff creating the vibe like the vibe is, is, is really vibration. Um, as far as I know, I'm making that up. I think vibe is an abbreviation for vibration. You're correct, sir. Um, and so, okay, like people are actually being like, man, I like the vibration in this room, but we never say it that way. Exactly. Um, you know, they, they, don't, they, they would have to face how hippy dippy yeah, that yeah, sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but people feel very comfortable. Oh, yeah, the great vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's good. And it's like, all right, let's further investigate it, what you mean. What, yeah. what are you actually saying? But it is a good vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good vibe. So, um, you know, we. we we purposefully, we walk in and we're very sensitive to the vibe in our restaurants and we want it to be uh, an, an inspiring, uplifting experience. And so we, we recognize that our staff and ourselves are the biggest contributors to that vibe. You know, it's, I mean, yeah, you know, get the, get the music right so it's not distracting and get the lighting right and all those things. But the biggest thing you can do to perpetuate um, the vibe you want is get the staff in alignment with what you're creating and, and, then, and then set them loose in that environment. But in order to get them al- in, in alignment with what you're creating, you might have to have them let go of whatever they brought into the space that has nothing to do with the restaurant, you know? And so we put a lot of attention and time when people, like every person that works for us, I'm not sure if you know this, they go through a, a process called a clearing, which is when you sit down for work, like if you worked for us, you'd punch in, You'd sit down, me and you would sit across from each other, very similar to this, and I'd ask you two questions. Can we you, do one now? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. All right. What are, what are the questions today? Uh, what is, uh, what's distracting you from, what's distracting you? So, so I'm, I'm working into work today. I've, I've dropped my kids at work, at school, mm. you know, I've, I've you know, my phone bill's overdue or, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's all right. My mum's coming around this weekend. I've got to make sure I pick up something from Costco on the way home. Oh, now I'm at work. I'm a cafe graduate. I'm sitting down. I want to clock in and you're asking me these questions. Yeah. 
We'll do it. We'll do it right now. Okay. So, so are you ready to be cleared? Hit me. All right. So, uh, Asha, what's distracting you? Or what has been distracting? What has you been distracting you lately? Today? Today? Mm-hmm. No. In your life? Yeah. What's been distracting? You? What's been distracting me? Um. And the invitation is to be authentic. Don't look good for. Yeah. What's been distracting me has been. Uh, my recent challenges with uh, my own brain I had to put a bit more effort into taking care of myself. Um, that has um, taken a lot of effort and it's starting to pay off, but it was, it was pretty scary for a while there. Um, but it's better now. I have a whole team of people on it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's like, I'm very Venetian. I've got a, a meditation teacher, a hypnotherapist, <laughs> a psych mentor <laughs> a lot of people um so that's that's been distracting me and on a personal front on a work front um i'm kind of distracted i'm about to go down to australia for four months for work which is incredible so that's kind of distracting me all right so I'm, I'm, um what i heard you say is that what's distracting you is um your brain got it and um and you've got a whole team on it and you know you're being very venetian about it but um, you're sensitive to that and it's distracting you and yeah. it has to made you uh, focus on your health and really yeah. um, focus on it. And pull focus away from other things. But that's okay because you know, if I, if I, if and pull I can't focus keep away my from shit together, nothing's going to happen. Right, okay. So let's just focus on that for a second. Um, great. And when your attention's on that, like when you're in that experience, what's the emotional experience? Like what does it feel like when you're really in that and you're, and you're, and you're feeling like it's frisky and uh, your attention's there? Um, like what's the emotion it gives you? Well, it, uh, and you it, did say one earlier. You said it. I feel it feels scary. Yeah, it does. It's actually quite frightening. It's, it's a, the the analogy I would use that is if you're used to running, or you're used to yeah running, and then you bust your ACL, you can't run for a while. Or and when you go up and down stairs, you've got to be careful. You have to say no. I can't go surfing with you because I've got a busted knee. And, but it's going to be better. I'm working on it. I'm you know figuring it out. Um, so it's kind of that, but between my ears. So there's a few things I can't really do right now, mm-hmm. um, and which is so what be the it, most. It feels weird to be limited by that. It feels weird to like I never thought in my life that I'd have to. Oh shit! I can't go do this trip. I was going to go to do a trip and I can't do it. Not the trip we were talking about earlier. Uh, I was going to go mm-hmm. on a physically <laughs> relocate myself to another country and and have an experience, um, and I can't do that because it wouldn't be the wouldn't be very healthy for me. It would probably damage me more. So I can't go do that. And and that feels very strange to be limited by that. It's the first time in my life that's happened. Um, but I feel really happy that I'm not doing that. I'm not putting myself in that situation. Um, and then I'm taking responsibility for it. It's like, like the same way. Like if I had a busted ACL, I've done my ACL before. Like, and you said, hey, we're going to go snowboarding. I'm like, ah, I can't. I can't do it. Or if I am, I'm going to have to wear a knee brace and just go real easy. So it's a similar thing, but it's between my ears. It's just kind of interesting. Um, awesome. So yeah. So it feels scary, and it uh, feels yeah. But I also feel far more when I wasn't taking responsibility for it, it was far more scary. But now I'm, you know, kind of actively and, and presently, you know, directing my energies towards healing. It's actually it's actually way better, and I'm able to observe it a lot more rather than have it overtake me. I'm just going, oh, that's kind of interesting. It's trying to tell me the sky's falling when it's not. And so, what would be the feeling of that? What's the feeling of that? The liberation feeling. Um. It actually feels a lot more, a lot more grounded. 
Yeah, it feels. But it takes it takes effort to do that as well. It takes some heavy lifting. Yeah. Cool. So uh, what I hear you say, I'm just re- repeat it so I make sure I got it all. It, it feels scary, but it also feels a little grounding yes. as, as you start to get into the healing process. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. Cool. So let's focus on that for a second. Take a breath. Then I'm going to ask you another question. Okay. What do you love about your life? I love so much about my life. My life is bigger than I could have ever imagined. And I love that I'm able to be in a constant state of learning and a constant state of self-improvement and a constant state of forward momentum personally. Um, I love that I'm here. I love that I'm doing this with you guys. Um, I, I love that, you know, I'm doing this this show that I created um, to talk about things that I'm really interested to talk about. And I love that so many people listen because they're in the similar way that y'all are talking about your restaurant, that that many people are tuned into what's happening. Like, I, I'd never imagined that this many people would be into it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really amazing. I find this this thing that I do for free and give away for free is the most satisfying, one of the most satisfying things I've ever done in my career, actually. Yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just want to acknowledge you. Like my my impression of getting to know you, and today is probably our longest conversation, or definitely is our longest conversation. Um, is my feeling around you is that you're you're really brave at pursuing things that you're passionate and you're in love with, and that takes a lot of sacrifice and courage. And I know you have a very successful like personality career, and my experience of you is you have your priorities really straight, and you like listen to your heart. And you continue to perpetuate and um, promote the things that you really love, even if it comes at a kind of circumstantial disadvantage to you in the moment. And I just think it's like incredible. Like you're really, really, really um, up for um, affecting people in a positive way, and it's really selfless of you. And I just, I just think you're awesome, man. I, I love being around you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. So that's a clearing. <laughs> so that would be the way you'd start your shift. And that, that would be the, the, the vibe being created in the employee so that they would be vibrating from that place of being seen, acknowledged, uh, appreciated, the opportunity to clear whatever was in their mind, distracting them. Quite a way to start your day at work. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for sharing so honestly. That's what I'm here to do, man. Yeah. I like mean, I, authenticity is in your black. Yeah, like, exactly. Really, I'm not here to. I'm not here that's to. It's a good it. shirt. You should make that shirt. Yeah. Um, but that. I mean, that's the. You know the. I, I think so often we 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 all walk around with a little bit of a guard up. Uh, it's 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 human nature to kind of yeah. emotionally protect ourselves and interact with the world just so we can <laughs> so we can survive <laughs> oh yeah my answer my answering machine is like hi you've reached carrie i'm emotionally unavailable <laughs> please leave a message <laughs> um and um but so you know we walk around with this guard up and the thing we try to really aim for is at work okay great come in come into work if we can let our guard down and get good at it there's there's a really beautiful space that gets filled um, after you let your guard down and you and you get transparent, and if we can create a restaurant that perpetuates that feeling, it's like, uh, you know, it's amazing. So, what's been the you mentioned before about the soccer team? I'm very interested to like your the community of your customers is one thing, but you don't have interactions with them as often, or be able to see the effects that 
the what you're creating is having on their lives, but you'll be able to observe it quite closely in your employees. Have you? Uh, we, we actually, I mean, we do observe it within our, in, I mean, customers. Because, I'm sure. I'm sure you because do because our customers become our friends, our community. You know, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's amazing. I know thousands of people who, you know, I consider my friends inside of running this business. That's pretty good. Um, and yeah, by the, knowing their name and giving them a hug when they enter the restaurant, uh, and you know, getting to, you know, interact with them on a, a deeper and more authentic mm. level. Because again, this is what we're doing with our employees. But ultimately, you know, in a in a in a smaller percent of time that we have, we we are able to give these moments of this kind of authentic communication with them, um, which then creates this space of freedom and. Uh, letting our guard down and we feel at home and ultimately we know that we all want to you know have that experience do you have perhaps uh an example of how your workplace and what you're building in your workplace has affected an employee's life lives um hundreds yeah hundreds and i mean uh, like i can imagine just from a basic point just being exposed to oh this is a different way of eating like as a start yeah, I mean, that, I mean that. that, that definitely, definitely. I mean, people come in and they're like, all of a sudden, I'll hear about, hey, I've I've been vegan for twenty days, and I had no idea they were doing it. You know, it's like, oh, wow, all right, awesome. You know, we didn't say like, hey, we want you to be vegan for twenty days. You know, we, that's not required you, you, at all. You've but. seen Mad Be Frank? I've I've been researching this show. Yeah, I, this is the documentary that you made about yeah. a guy called Frank. I encourage everyone. I'll put a link to it on the show website. Yeah, great. Um, so that's just, he looks amazing now, by the way. Yeah, yeah. that's just. And he's making a living running around being a speaker, right? Yeah. yeah. So good. He's got, a book, he's got a book deal coming out. Right on, man. He went from like hooked on antidepressants to being an uh, you know, inspirational speaker. Good on you. And his, his, the, the name of his book, actually, it's funny, uh, or the working title right now is uh, I Thought Vegan Was a Planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is very funny. So, yeah, I mean, the, the examples of, you know, just, just recently, uh, an example, we hired a, a guy named Jason uh, and 17-year-old 17 17-year-old 17 kid from Venice, never, never been anywhere else, uh, second generation, Mexican-American, never been anywhere else, but, you know, the furthest is like Culver City and Santa Monica. And, you know, since he's been working... Barely on the other side of the 405. Yeah. yeah. Since, since he's been working with our organization, you know, he came, we do farm trips where we take our employees up to our farm where our father, or his, my father and his mother live. 21-acre, uh, organic, amazing, living, working farm. And, you know, he got to know where food is. He, he never saw where food comes from. You know, he never saw what chickens, you know, like, he, he's... He, he, the, the depth of the richness of what he knows about life and how things work is so expanded. And I'm not just saying this from what I see. You know, he communicated this clearly, like what he now knows. Uh, another example, he's become, you know, he's fallen in love with one of our bartenders who's this kind of like, you know, Santa Cruz, hippy-dippy blonde girl, uh, and they're, they're in love. And she's now taking him to the snow. They went had his first snowboarding trip last, you know, two weeks ago. I lent him all my snowboard gear. He went and had the best time of his life. And then last week, and she took him to Esalen. He sat in hot, you know. This is you went to Esalen. He went to Esalen. This sitting, is like, like nude. Yeah, yeah. This is like just so. Do we explain to people? This is like a. Uh, it's a. 
beyond the health spa. It's beyond the health retreat. It's like, I don't even know how you'd put it. It's, it's like the Cirque du Soleil of, yeah. um, of, of meditation Wellness, retreats. Yeah. yeah, retreat centers. Yeah. Really? He went to, I didn't know about that. That's it, shocking. Yurts and, awesome. and things like this. You know, so, so this is, you know, kid Venice, never been past the four or five, and now he's yeah, like, what he's, you know, <laughs> what he's doing. I mean, and he told me the other day, he was like, Ryland, this place, thanks for changing, this place has changed my life. I don't know what I'd be doing, yeah. but this place has completely changed my life. That's got to be satisfying for you considering, uh, considering why you started the place. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, and we've had, we've had other employees like, you know, get in contact with their parents that they've never seen. You know, <laughs> the parents that have abandoned them when they were, you know, babies. And, and write letters and persistently go track them down and now have relationships with their parents that, I mean, we didn't, obviously we didn't tell them to do this, but it just kind of bursts out of this environment of like, oh, I want to be in authentic, clear communication with where, where in my life am I feeling kind of something's missing? And they start to do that kind of inner, inner inquiry. Yeah. And um, that's happened several times where people have gotten a hold of parents. Hence, hence the clearing process, right? The first question being a question that has us look at what's missing, what's distracting. So, we start to, as a community, realize what it is that people are operating on. You know, wow, what's distracting me is, you know, I'm thinking, I've been thinking about my father who I've never met. And then as this community that wants the bridging of those connections, it becomes a community-supported intention for, wow, that, we all know that that employee, so we start supporting that employee to make amends, write a letter, get in touch, knock on their door, you know, because that's just the nature of what the community is cultivating, so we become the support for what is needed because we've seen what's needed because we were willing to open up a vulnerable dialogue that would then have us reveal what what it is people are operating on top of so that we can actually get in as a community and support them to fulfilling that gap, bridging whatever is missing. I know I keep coming back to this. It's, it's, it's quite a way to get to a bottom line, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's a it's, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, some days I wish we were just... There's a lot of val- but there's a lot of value. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of actual, you know, real in the black on the Excel spreadsheet value yeah. in what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. Which is really kind of fascinating. How long until you open one in Australia? I'm it's actually, I'm, I'm pushing for that right now. So we're going to, we're going to go check out locations in Sydney our, uh, this, our, this, 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 our, this December. Our next visioning retreat for all the executives of the company is in Australia to kind of spot check and check out locations and uh, look to see if it, it's how, how soon into the future it is that we're going to do a restaurant there. Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, boys. Yeah. I'm telling you. Brisbane, was, Brisbane, the real estate would be cheaper and, and definitely a, a more interesting vibe. Sydney would be all over it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was there because my, my wife is from Sydney, and I was there for my first New Year's, your summer, <laughs> and just, like, blow my mind. You know, I mean, first of all, everyone in Australia looks like a model. They're like, they're just so fit and they're like just working out all day and they're tan and all they care about is eating right and running. And it's like, I was, it was really, um, it was hilarious. Like, I was like, God, these people are like all avatars. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and I was like, let's go to the vegan restaurants here. And there's so few choices. Um, Actually, the, the one vegan restaurant I went to totally had copied our menu and word for word, word for word, our mission statement. Which one? Um, should I say it? Oh, you can tell me where in Sydney was it? Was um, it on Cleveland Street? It was in, it was in Bondi. 
it was a, a restaurant called like Back to Earth, Down to Earth, Back to Table. Oh, yeah, like right. Right and Bond. Like the mission statement is word for word our mission statement. And um, and I don't I, I don't I don't take we don't take offense to that at all. We're flattered, but um, it was more of a you know kind of a, a sign that I think uh, gratitude would be wel- a welcomed addition. My word. Yeah. So I'm really uh, pushing for that. Opening internationally, you know, it has its own level of complications. That however, however I can help, <laughs> however I can help you bringing what you do down there. Yeah. I'm already thinking of a few ways that might. I'll tell you when we're not recording. Right. Uh, <laughs> let me know. Yeah, yeah. Because I would love to be of service to yeah. to helping you guys share what you're doing. I really would. I really would. Um, this has been really, really interesting. Before we get out of here. What is the question of the day today? Uh, the question of the day today is when do you feel most empowered? Well, let me ask you. When do you feel most empowered, Ron? Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I feel most empowered when I am giving, when I'm contributing to another completely selflessly. That, you know, it's just my, the, the moment. There's no other strategy in my mind other than wanting to contribute and make a difference for that, that, that individual that I'm interfacing or interacting with. And uh, when it's just the, the experience is how can I give away value as quick as possible and then being able to see that value landing and being received and assimilated over there is um, yeah, when I feel most empowered. Thank you. Yeah. Gary? Oh, um, very similar. I'm, when I'm giving something away, you know, when when there's an experience for me, specifically in work, when I have a conversation with someone at work, and all of a sudden they feel safe, I feel empowered. Like there's so, there's so much, there's such a feeling of like I'm in this on my own that people bring in new people. When I hire new people, it's always like they're on their own. And if they don't make enough money, they're screwed. And da, 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 da. and I've been having a lot of conversations recently, just having opened a new restaurant where people are really getting like they can share with me whatever challenge that is, whether it has to do with work or not. And it's like, cool, I'll help you. I'll help you solve that. And you're not alone. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you wither away and fall apart. Like I'm, I got your back. That's really uh, fulfilling for me. I would say that when I feel most empowered, it's, uh, while I relate very much to both of what you're saying, reflecting to what we were speaking about earlier, when I'm absolutely present, I feel most empowered because I know that I'm okay. It's when I'm not present and my brain's in what if in future Mm -hmm. or if only from the past. That's when I feel disempowered. But when I'm present as present I can possibly look. And I'm talking like in the space of a breath. Mm-hmm. That's when I feel most empowered. And right now, that's kind of what I'm chasing down because I need to be that so I can... I have to first get there before I can start being of service because mm-hmm. that's kind of where I am right now. But that would be it. And All right. And that's what a, what a full circle because I'd say that in... That's the exact encapsulation of what the clearing process and what Cafe Gratitude is designed. Even originally on the, the wall, there was a clock that said underneath the clock, the present moment. And that really, 
love exists in the present moment. God, you know, God, gratitude, uh, magnificent, awe, wonder, all the great qualities of being only live in the present moment. And, and that's the design of Cafe Gratitude is to have people be fully present so they can be awake to, you know, the miraculous. And, um, and that's really our mission is to create an environment where the presence is so strong and that, that's, that's, that, that presence rubs off and inspires and awakens others to be that. Through possibly the best food you've ever mm -hmm. eaten. Yeah, we, we, we've talked a long time and we should end on this like, it really is some of the greatest food you'll ever eat in your damn life. That's all I'm going to tell you. Gentlemen, this has been great. I'm going to take your photograph. Awesome. Can't Unreal. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. So... That'll be Carrie and Ryland from Cafe Gratitude. I don't know about you, but I want a slice of vegan kilo pie right about now. But I promised my friend I'd pay her 50 bucks every time I ate dessert. Yeah, it's a habit thing. I'll tell you about it another time. Um, if you want to follow those guys, um, they're, on, uh, they're on Twitter. Cafe Gratitude LA. You can find them there. Also, Gracias Madre. If, you, you know, if you're ever in Los Angeles, just go and eat there if you find a way. But... I'm sure you can find their book, Sacred Commerce, as well. It's really interesting, as you can definitely hear, very interesting way to run a business and an interesting... What's, what's totally remarkable is that they, they set out to make a real change in their community, and that's their primary goal, almost, but, you know, the food's incredible and the restaurant's packed, so it's a very successful business as well, which is uh, it's really kind of fascinating, which is why I had them on the show. So, um, thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope it wasn't uh, too heavy. Hope we didn't talk business stuff too much. But um, I'm kind of fascinated by that kind of, that kind of thing. But uh, that's all right. If you didn't like this episode, you can let me know. I'm on Twitter. Um, if you did like this episode, you can also let me know. I'm on Twitter. Uh, but if you didn't like this episode, there's plenty others uh, you can go and choose from. Have a listen. Enjoy. Have a great week, man. Thanks so much for listening. All right. I'll talk to you later. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.